0: Welcome to Bad at Love Podcast. (laughs) I am Tamu. And I'm Mallory. We're here once again to talk to you about something maybe. Maybe.
1: We're not sure. Possibly. Go off tangent. Oh,
0: but wait. Like, so first of all, you always have a question. Oh, I do always have a question. But I have a question.
1: Oh my gosh. I actually wrote one down.
0: What's your question? My question is, do you wash your legs when you take a shower?
1: Do you mean not every time? I guess I guess this is my answer. Wow. I, so I was just thinking I was like oh, the
0: that? Internet has been ablaze with really? this whole thing about people not washing their legs when they shower, like they just shower like maybe their torso and let the water run down their legs, but they don't actually scrub their legs mm. or their, you know, feet bottoms or feet. You know, they, they don't take care of the, the lower portion of themselves. So I was curious. As to whether or not you did that
1: as well so back before i went overseas to go do my walk uh that's when i started so i have a psoriasis type thing and it's just really oily skin, all that kind of stuff. And I was trying to be like, you know what? We're going to do a reset. I'm going to make it where I'm not showering every single day, try to get my body used to this new regimen, that kind of thing, whatever. And I even had this conversation with you because I was like, I don't understand, like, if I'm not taking a shower all the time, like, I don't want to use soap constantly to, like, dry out my skin. Like, I'm trying to change it. And you gave the advice. You're like, just do the important areas. Like, when you're just doing, sure. like, a basic jump well, and yeah, jump out. yeah, if you're doing that. Right. And you're like, just – And your crevices and creases. Yeah, you got to do the horse bath, but that's not on a reg. Right. And that's not on the reg. So when I do my typical, like, okay, full-fledged hair, body, the whole thing. Yeah, when you take a shower. When I take a shower. Yes, of course I do. Okay. But also, I shave my legs. Not everybody shaves their legs. Mm Mm-hmm. So it doesn't it
0: shouldn't matter. I don't shave my
1: pits, but I It don't doesn't shave my it doesn't
0: matter. I'm pretty sure you wash your pits even though you have hair in there. I absolutely do. Okay. And
1: but I, I also think I don't know maybe it's because I'm dirtier. I mean I have a dog, so I'm walking.
0: Yeah, I just feel like this is kind of a gross thing like so <laughs> I've been I've been here like, Do you wash? Of course. Okay. Yes. With soap? <laughs> yeah, with soap and with a loofah scrubby. I mean, I, I mean, Oh, I didn't
1: do the loofah scrubby. Come You're, on. you're a step up like, for me. Like, honestly,
0: I mean, and again, I'm not,
1: oh, I don't know how
0: to say this to make it not be racist sounding, but this feels like a white people thing on a typical basis where like, I, we don't, sh- I don't shower without some kind of implement to scrub or slug off some dead skin, right? Mm. So it's either a washcloth, which I don't typically like either, but it's usually like one of those hand loofahs or whatever. Like mm-hmm. I'm uh, there's a, there's something scrubbing the skin <laughs> off of my body <laughs> on a regular basis, and I know that a lot of people just do like a bar of soap wash or like a mm-hmm. gel wash, you know. I'm
1: bar soap girl. Yep.
0: But like a bar soap where you're just rubbing the soap on you, and then that's it.
1: Well, I rub the soap, and then I do, like, kind of, like, the whole... Because when you wash your hands, they legitimately have, like, you need to wash for sure, singing happy to- birthday, blah, blah, blah. Right. So I do that for my body, where I just, like, <laughs> make sure that I'm scrubbing my arms and scrubbing but my with everything. with your hands. With my hands, because I actually... I have really sensitive skin, and so I did the loofah stuff for a while, but it was just too aggressive for Mm -hmm. my skin. Mm -hmm. So I have to be a little bit more gentle with it. you can use a washcloth. You could use a washcloth, but to me, it's like I have to replace it every single time. Right. I'm one of those people who I can't, Mm -hmm. you know. Right.
0: That's why I don't use, I use, Mm -hmm.
1: okay, I get it. Yeah, everybody does their own whatever, and sometimes I would use that. I wouldn't use one whenever I uh, did my crevices wash. Sure, no. But... No, I don't use a washcloth or anything just because I think that's gross too. I would just... To me, it's the same. Using a washcloth is the same as just rubbing vigorously with my hand. I don't know. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. That's
0: a fair distinction. I just can't do that in my mind. Like, I can't (laughs) not do that. And The only times I've ever done, like, just a soap shower is if I don't have any other opportunity to not do that. So, like, if I... And it's like an overnight or whatever, and I can't wash my underwear. Or I can't do something. If I do, if I have the ability to even do that, and I for, like, I don't have a washcloth or I don't have like scrubbies or whatever, mm-hmm. I will literally wash my underwear and then wash myself with the underwear as a washcloth because <laughs> that's just what I'm used to doing and what I. That's how I know I'm clean. Like I have s- just taken shit off of my body. And done it that way. So it's just been interesting because I think, like, Taylor Swift got caught up in this whole maelstrom of Oh, my well. God. Are
1: you serious? With the fact that she doesn't wash her legs. This shows you the type of people that I follow on Twitter because I have not heard of this <laughs> I didn't yet. follow
0: her on Twitter, but, like, I listened to other I just other mean in general that other people and aren't. it is on Instagram. Like, this oh is God, a whole big funny. thing. Like, where people don't wash their legs and stuff like that, which is kind so of disgusting. Weird. Because, like, ew, eventually. I mean, your
1: legs sweat, people. You stink. Your feet... I- I'd be questioning, do they not wash their legs? Do they not wash their feet? Your feet are are important, people.
0: Absolutely. I 100% agree with you. That part,
1: if you don't wash your legs, please tell me that you're washing your feet. How
0: do you skip your legs just to get to your feet? I don't get it. It's literally, you start at the top and then you go down. All That's the weird. way to the bottom and then, you know, you deal with your other parts too. You know what I mean? Just so let's so run into your crack. But you also <laughs> take care of your special parts.
1: So I guess moving off of this, what's interesting is that remember when I said like It's like, oh, I'm changing my shower schedule Mm -hmm. to try to help out with like Mm -hmm. my body pH, I guess. I don't know. And then uh, during that time period, there was a morning show or something that I happened to be watching at my parents' place. And it was a white woman and a black woman that they were chit-chatting about how people are taking too many showers. Mm -hmm. And she was bringing up the fact that she's like, oh my God, there's these people who are taking three to four showers a day. And I was like, well, that's aggressive. That's too much, Yeah. (laughs) woman looked at her and said, this might be a white person thing. She's like, who the fuck? She didn't say fuck. <laughs> yeah, She was get thinking it. it in her head. I could see it. She's like, who takes three to four showers a day? But the thing is. But they were saying, well, it's because they take a shower right away in the morning when they wake up sure. and then they go exercise. So then they take another shower. And then later, like after they're done with work, they're kind of like, wow, I feel gross. So then they take another shower. And then before they bed, I guess they go and take another but shower. The and I'm thing like, is,
0: like, it's you can just jump in water and like slather soap on yourself and rinse it off. That's not fucking bathing, okay? That is not doing anything, but I don't know what it is. But you are not cleaning yourself if that is what you think you're doing. Maybe the odds are better that you're slogging off your nasty dead skin or whatever the fuck it is. But let me just explain to you that when you actually shower, you should see stuff that's brown coming off of you because it's your nasty dead skin (laughs) and dirt and sweat and oils going into the fucking drain, people.
1: I it kind of reminds me of when I was in high school, and there's always that one kid who was always a little extra dirty. Uh-huh. But then there was also a couple of other, like especially as you got a little older and into college, of you know, they they talk about like the the vegany people, who, yeah, like, uh-huh, they're they trying mean. to save and conserve, yeah, no, so then they don't shower, That's, and it's no, they should shower. I get that there's a point where it's like, yeah, sure, we don't want to use antiseptic all the time because guess what? It just means that we're right. making things worse. In the long run. But I mean, wash your legs.
0: Wash yourselves. And your whole body. Ew. I just just, I don't know.
1: When I was it is. When I was at the Science Museum, quick fun story. (laughs) I was at the Science Museum. They have a twenty one and over night that Mm -hmm. they do there. And essentially that means no children, you're drinking, and you get to explore everything in the science museum. Super fun. They have a section there that's typically usually only for children and we were like, fuck it, we don't care. So we went in to go check it out. And they had a specific thing that they were doing where they showed how many germs were being killed by using what technique. Sure. And they had Dawn soap. Mm-hmm. They had, I mean, doing nothing. Right. They had um, the squirt gel that mm-hmm. you use for the antiseptic or whatever. Is this so just for
0: your hands? That Well,
1: whatever type. Yeah, this one was okay. for the hands. Okay. The Dawn soap wasn't for your hands. That's sure. supposed to be for whatever. Right. It was just supposed to show, like, you would take a swab from your cheek, mm-hmm. and then you would put each of those things on there. Um, they had a method of where they would... Give it some time and then they would show you with like a black light or some, they would dip it in something where they're like, and then you can see how many germs are left. Sure, The Dawn soap like actually like killed everything, which mm-hmm. didn't surprise me nope. at Takes all. grease out of your way. Like apparently you don't need to scrub with Dawn. Nope.
0: But you shouldn't you <laughs> but you wash shouldn't.
1: with Dawn. <laughs> you shouldn't wash with Dawn. At no. At least
0: don't do your interiors.
1: <laughs> no, that would be bad for you. Yeah. But what was the most interesting was the antiseptic like uh-huh. stuff where they it didn't do anything. No, it
0: doesn't. It's bullshit.
1: It's pretty mm-hmm. much bullshit. And I asked her the question of saying, is it because we're not rubbing? Like, does it need the friction mm. to be able to do this? Like, to kill? Because, I mean, isn't the that illegal? Friction. <laughs> isn't it illegal to say that it kills 99.9% of germs, but it's not doing when it's, anything?
0: When, when not agitated.
1: Right. And so... <laughs> she said, you know, that could be different. It might be that you could actually do it Mm -hmm. and then maybe it actually does do something. Maybe it needs to put on there saying like, with agitation, it can kill. You should, never mind. But it was just, it was interesting to see. So it's like, to me, the friction is needed. There's a reason why it states on all washing boards saying you need to sing the happy birthday song Guys. and wash your hands before you rinse. You can't just do the whole like rinse your hands and go ping, sink into the sink. The friction is needed for all things.
0: Yeah, it is. Bow,
1: bow, 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 bow. Bow, wow. Anyway, Uh, that's the end of my opinion on that, is that, yes, you need to wash yourself. Well, I'm happy to know that you wash your legs. (laughs) Um, And my feet. I'm sorry. Feet are super important. They sweat,
0: too. Your body sweats. I'm just happy to know you wash yourself like a normal person does. (laughs) Or... like a black person I mean I don't know at this point because
1: it would make sense I don't know maybe that's the reason why I do wash myself because I listen to black people (laughs) yes perhaps (laughs) maybe it's because I'm like hey you know what I bet they know how to wash themselves. It's like just ask just a black like, you know ask a black. Let me ask a black. How do, or, you, how do you actually take care of stuff? Or maybe instead of putting all of the responsibility on black people on how you're washing yourself,
0: <laughs> Google how to wash yourself. Dudes, you do not need to fucking Google how to take a goddamn bath, folks. Soap on your body is not doing a goddamn thing other than just making your top layer of skin smell good. But once that wears off and the summer heat happens, mm-hmm. it becomes an icky, nasty, dank smell. Anywho, good
1: question. Yeah. All right. So we are going to get into talking I'm proud about... Of myself. <laughs> We're going to talk about Esther Perel and a podcast that she was in, TED Talks. Any other information we've ever gotten from her. Oh. We're
0: learning about infidelity. <laughs> Let's get into it. We.
1: So I was actually the one I believe that brought up Esther Perel. Did you know of her? Nope.
0: <laughs> okay <laughs> and that's we, on <laughs> we are gonna attempt to weave podcasts like this first
1: okay oh well we usually try to do
0: that well but... i mean yeah but you know
1: cheers uh, does that mean we're done did wait, we do it right
0: wait do we do another pose like
1: <laughs> are you happy how, with those I don't know I feel like I'm I'm never real on any of these because I feel like I'm always posing
0: well that's because you went to modeling school and you didn't do like me True. who's just like a regular person who does whatever <laughs> okay well, that's better okay that's a good one I'm
1: turning it off so that we, so don't, have we don't have the problems as last time the same issues <laughs> it was really funny though as before Let's get into a super deep, serious topic and then realize, oh, fuck, we left the camera <laughs> it's on. It's like
0: tears and ugly crying going on. Okay. Well, that was We Podcast Like This, guys. We, we <laughs> feel like we were more
1: successful. We are going to talk about Esther Perel, uh, which many of you may have heard of if you haven't. She is a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. From Belgium, originally. Been doing this for years, I would say, like upon years. Now has two books out. I found out about her, gosh, I think I heard one of, like on another podcast I was listening to, something like, a, she must have had a some type of promo that was going on through that oh, podcast. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was a couple years ago, and I was like, oh, sounds interesting. So then I listened to her podcast, and it's really good. Her podcast is Where Should We Begin? Mm-hmm. Talking about the fact of, like, she is a one session with couples who tend to have some pretty big issues that are going on in the relationships. I think it's a six-hour or three-hour session. It's three hours. But the podcast is put down to one hour. Sure. And it just kind of works through what's going on in their lives at the time, how they should work from Mm -hmm. there and their problems. It goes from as simple as, wow, you cheated on me, to there was one that they had a porn addiction, to one that he completely used all of their money up and didn't tell her about the situation that had occurred. And it just talks about many different types of problems that go on. Within relationships. Within relationships, particularly. So the one that I had you listen to was with Dax Shepard. Yep. Armchair expert. Armchair expert. And then we also watched TED Talk. And we did watch her TED Talk. So she has a couple of them, but it was, I think, her most recent, which was the infidelity. Yes. That spoke about that. That
0: was called Rethinking Infidelity A Talk for Anyone Who Has Ever Loved.
1: It really truly was, because even though it was talking about infidelity in particular, as you heard on our Flutter, Mm -hmm. even if you haven't cheated, and she goes into it in detail where she talks about it still affects you. Like when you think about it, everybody thinks that it's a one or two person type of situation or three. It's a ripple effect. If that couple has a child, mm-hmm. if uh, that person knows somebody else, how mm-hmm. it affects them, and it really does become a much bigger than you well, think. Well, not it only could that, be.
0: too. Like I think about it in terms of white one for me, where I could have, and I hope I haven't, but I hope you know, but I could, my act could have impacted his future relationships, you know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. there's a whole like downward spiral ramification of this thing where you might think, oh, you're you're done up on this level, but then it continues to ripple down and impact quite a lot of other people
1: as you move forward in life. And she doesn't mean that in the, the idea of, you cheated, you done fucked up. Yeah, She no. means it in the sense of just saying like. This is an impact on. Everybody on a, knows it. Right. It's not a, oh, you've heard about it. It affects sure. a lot more people. You've probably been affected. and right. You um, don't even necessarily. Right. You might not recognize that. And I, I really enjoyed the history mm-hmm. aspect of it, of talking about the fact of, you know, back then it was more of a male and it was, uh, or a male associated type thing that would happen and it was more acceptable if right. it was male so
0: I wrote it down she said it's more found upon now before it was what men did it's no longer seen as part of a social system men have less consequences than women today love and finding love finding the one means more in than it does than it had in the past where right. she really explained the fact that like you got married back in the backpack for an economic circumstance and for for societal reasons and because that's what you were supposed to do. And the affair or the adultery part was where you found your love. Whereas now we have evolved to the place where we want to find love for the sake of love, and there's no other reason for it. And so we put a lot more expectation on the person to do so much more for us than we had in the past. And so that's where there is this friction of like this whole concept of the one and that's what we keep talking about too in right. terms of our podcast about that fairy tale of finding this this holy grail thing this magical unicorn where we really shouldn't be doing that that's the expectation is so hard ho- it's high and hard to put on someone else and even Dax had said like my gosh like you're putting all of this stuff on me like to be your companion to be your economic support to be your best friend, to be your best lover, to be your co-parent, to be all of these things. Mm -hmm. And they're not prepared to do that even for themselves (laughs) on their end. Like, it's such an unfair expectation that we have on on people today.
1: And it just, it goes to show, too, I mean, when we previously talked about how emotional Uh, Sure. Even cheating, that kind of stuff, where it's almost sort of needed in some aspects, because I'm not necessarily going to assume that my partner has all of my same interests.
0: Well, I think, too. So, like, when she had mentioned that, I started thinking about it in terms of, like, with White One, um, the fact that, like, he didn't necessarily have a large friendship group. Right. And that kind of caused a lot of issues as well, because he was always home, he was always drinking, he was always gambling online, like, and doing all of these different things where, you know, I had ended up creating a lot of friendship groups and going out and doing things and socializing and I, and, and having other people other than him in my life to focus on and to, like, be my everything and everybody, which he asked me to do, by the way.
1: So, <laughs> but it's also, when you think about it, it, It makes sense though. It does. Like Like, you can't,
0: I can't it's hard. Like you should never expect one person to encompass everything you want in a human. Right. There's no such thing. And that's why you have friends. That's why you go and do things with like-minded individuals. Like for example, say you fall in love with a Republican. You're gonna do fucking talk about fucking politics? Probably not, because you'll get divorced. So therefore you talk to your Democrat friends and you do Democrat things on the side and then you can
1: come home and be like, Okay. You know or you really I level think set. about what your true deal breakers Absolutely. are. Absolutely. I think that type of relationship more proves where it's like we are more about the morals within ourselves mm-hmm. and who we trust and how we how we go about that. Versus, you know, all belief systems and everything, and I think that's really hard. I mean, I know for me, that's a really hard because I have some pretty staunch opinions on on certain things that I'm like, no. I don't know if I can date a Trump supporter, you know? Shut up! Okay, I know this is you guys. I have a confession. Ooh, ooh, hold on, let me get my alcohol. <laughs> I have opinions. <gasps> I know, and not all the time do I. Remove those opinions and think of other people's opinions as right. Oh! I know. It's a what? huge. What?
0: How is that even possible that you are this way?
1: I know. I'm surprised that people don't use me as a means to write their dramas. <laughs> 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 the main point is it does really make you think of what is really important when it comes to a relationship. For sure. You know, even in friendships, you can look at that where it's like, oh, absolutely. What? Because, and I think that many people would agree that they have different levels of friendship and they don't like looking at it that way. I mean, it is kind of rude when you're just kind of like, yeah, they're a level 1 friend. <laughs> when instead of but you do, you have some surface friends because they're fun when you go sure. out and you hang out. Exactly. But like you can't have a real conversation you can with them have when a it comes down to it. Conversation with so then folks. you have the next level of friend mm-hmm. who's more of, you know, yeah, we can talk about deeper issues and we agree on a lot of things sure. and then you get And that deeper. can be your partner. Right. right? But then there's always
0: somebody else who can who gives you another level mm-hmm. or another layer of things. And I think it's that whole it takes a village mentality. Yes, I have a is, thing. Yeah. Uh, um something that's paramount. It does take a village like and she mentioned it, too, because she had said something in relation to, like, everybody came from the same town. There was a town square. You knew what everybody's business was and what they were doing and what they were going through at specific times. Nowadays, we're more isolated. And so that's a little bit different. But yet still, we still put all of our shit
1: on social media. So Which it's is like, weird. We're
0: super isolated and yet still super exposed
1: in a way, you're Which, choosing, though, what is out absolutely. there. Absolutely. Like you're her curating quote, it. Right. Her, what she kind of said was, you're asking one person to give what you want uh, to give you, what an entire village Village-y. used to provide. Yep. And she's like, but in the village, you could hear every fight with mm-hmm. your neighbor. Mm-hmm. Today, your best friend can tell you that she's having a breakup and you wouldn't, you wouldn't even, know even know it's coming. Right. Exactly. Like it, Because you don't know. It's... When you see things online and people are constantly posting selfies and they're posting, my husband's so great, my wife is so wonderful. There's, you know, they're posting all of this positivity type thing. But when it comes down to it, like no one posts really the bad. That's one of the reasons why Mm -hmm. I had to leave social media was because I felt that there were so many situations that it was such a a gloss over. People Mm -hmm. trying to put out what they wanted people to think. Versus a true idea of what was happening. I think it was great that uh, Esther Perel was on Dax's show. Because Dax and Kristen actually have quite an an open relationship on social media talking mm-hmm. about like, yeah, we're having a really tough time right now, but guess what? We did this. And right. If you listen into their previous episodes, Kristen was, I believe one of the first people that Is was she, on the show. Has she been? I didn't Twice. listen to his other shows. Okay. Yeah. Makes so sense. I think she was either the first or like one of the first. And then she came later when one, uh, the good place. Sure. Uh, they were talking about that, but the very first one that she was on, it was actually really tense because they had been fighting a little bit. Uh And so then they were like, we have to record this. So then they just did it anyway. (laughs) And you could tell that he was asking questions and he was kind of poking a little more than he should have Mm -hmm. and that she was kind of answering a little more clippy than she needed to. And then as they continued to talk, then it's like things sort of changed where they kind of realized that they were like, okay, here's our relationship. Mm -hmm. And it got deeper and it got more and then even at the very end, they're like, you know, we kind of started this out where it was really tense and weird, and like now we're kind of back. And she's like, yeah, we did. And I pre- I can be someone who can appreciate that kind of openness of being like relationships aren't just the the everyday like constant giving, wonderful, mm-hmm. everything's great. It's it's you're working on it. You have to grow together. Right, you have to communicate. Right. You have to be open and you have to have those tense moments. I think that if you don't have a tense moment in a relationship, you're not in a relationship. Or maybe you're not growing, I don't know. And maybe it's that's correct. okay. Maybe that's okay. But to me, you should be constantly growing as a person and I think it's important to to be communicative and and get to that point like and be okay too to be like, yeah, dude, we're not the perfect everything. Mm-hmm. But that's why we work. I mean, they have two kids and they're beautiful together. Can I
0: just say that listening to this podcast and listening, I haven't listened to any armchair experts. Okay. So, but I know of Dax and I remember Dax when Dax first was like on all bunches like punk shows and different things (laughs) like that back in the day. I have a really profound respect for him after listening just even to this episode of this podcast because he really is like coming from a place of like... Look, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a sex addict. Yep. Here's my stuff. Here's what Kristen and I do. Here's what I believe for, that I should do for my kids. Like I don't feel like I'm doing them a service to do, to to like be this omnipresent person in their lives. They need to learn how to be humans. Like I 100% appreciate where he's coming from and the fact that he keeps consistently searching for things mm-hmm. to, in order to make himself better, to make his family better and to you know progress in general
1: so i really did appreciate that so I, I may listen to more armchair experts but you know i do have other podcasts you Do have other I podcasts to. i don't always listen to every single one typically i listen to the ones that i'm like oh yeah i totally know that celebrity sure. so if i don't know the celebrity i'm kind of like i oh, have no fucking clue that's I'm the difference is i probably know all of them but you probably do <laughs> but because i know dax a little bit in his movies mm-hmm. most of the people he gets on are people that he's worked with well sure so and i tend he's worked to with know a lot of people right So I very famous. Right. And he talks about that too. Mm-hmm. On other episodes where he talks about, he's like, Kristen is way more famous mm-hmm. than I ever have been and ever will be. Mm-hmm. And he talks through that. I mean, for God's sake. She's Elsa. She's amazing. I'm <sighs> a Kristen Bell. <laughs> I do. think She's amazing. <laughs> she's so great. She's funny. That's awesome. But that I just appreciate yeah. the fact
0: that like, he's a seeker. He's searching. He consistently tries to be better. And, all the, that's what I can appreciate, yes. especially out of things. And it's he's not trying to be better by like giving you these like ham fisted, like colloquial cliche
1: right. quotes and
0: stuff like that. <laughs> like he's actually realistically trying to do it. He's like, look, here's here's my shit. Like this is all my shit out on the street. It's on the table. It is what it is. I might not be 100 percent right, mm. but this is kind of how I'm kind of leaning towards right now. And then. Having someone explain why that might be, there might be reasons for that to change and him accepting it, I think is really great. So
1: this podcast, because I do listen to a lot of him as he continues to come out with episodes. Um, I think I think one of the reasons that I do continue to listen to it is for that purpose, Mm -hmm. because it helps to keep me humble. Absolutely. Because I am, like I said before, I'm very opinionated. She's very opinionated. I have opinions. Uh, Many. <laughs> Myriad. Again, going back to Leslie Hope. No. There's a so scene many where he's like, You have a lot of opinions. He's like, You have opinions on pockets. And, she, <laughs> and her response is, She's like, Yes, I think that there should, they should always be bigger. Like, <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, I, I'm kind of that way too. I'm not 100% always judgmental on the opinions, but I'm also judgmental on, I'd say, at least 50% of my opinions. How about
0: we discuss, because of our previous flutter that we talked about, about cheating, there's a large segment of the armchair expert with Esther that talks about infidelity and yeah. as well as her TED talk that talks about infidelity. Her TED talk is about infidelity in general. right? But I'm curious, like, based off of what we talked about in our flutter, right? did that change or, I mean, was that your legacy thinking in terms of, like, what you thought cheating was and then listening to this, that skew anything or did that kind of, like, give you aha moments?
1: I think for me it was less of aha moments, more of, understanding hmm. because even though I was looking at it I mean as I said before like I had even been a point where I was like wow Ready, I might down be down to clown I might be the other lady here <laughs> and I mean and who's to say that ever would have fucking happened To fair, right. like I could have tried and then he might have been completely like mm-hmm. you know what though either way I was at that point sure I think that it was more again of the whole, like, this is a gray area. Mm -hmm. And one of the more poignant moments of it was talking about the fact that, because people look at cheating as more of it's one person's fault Mm -hmm. or who it goes towards, especially the person who does the cheating. Mm -hmm. And when she was talking about in the TED Talk of like, oh, so are you pro or against? Right. And she was like, I'm not saying She's like, both. You know, because it's not necessarily of saying, like, you should or shouldn't. But she's like, I do note the fact, and you mentioned this before, where it's when you have that experience, they're not regretting the affair itself. They're regretting hurting another person. I think that was kind of more of the point of infidelity Mm -hmm. as she went into more detail talking about these people aren't doing these things because you're, and and, and some of them are. I'm sure there's a small percentage of them that are like, wow, yeah, that was a horrible, terrible relationship. Mm -hmm. That's why these people were cheating. But for the most part, she's like, The people that I see aren't these horrible human beings. They're people who... They're good people. It wasn't just that they were missing something from the other person. It's because... They were
0: missing something from themselves.
1: From themselves, yes. And I think that was more Mm -hmm. where I knew this. But it was nice to hear and to get a little more detail talking about that fact. We were kind of talking about like infidelity and cheating and things like that. And
0: um, you had mentioned some of the things she had said about cheating and what that means to people. So in relationship, like once she started talking about cheating for me, Mm -hmm. being that I am the... Resident cheater, where she was like, "What people tell her is, I felt alive, like I reconnected with my mm. will. I was looking for parts of myself that had long we disappeared." And she also calls like the erotic the antidote to deadness. I totally. I was like, "Oh my god! Well, oh, this is it! Well, this was it! it where is. was this when I was going through my shit? Because I probably would have spent seven years instead of fourteen years." Punishing myself for something that was natural well, and, and not
1: awful, but okay. But realizing the real definition, she talks about, she didn't talk about it in her TED Talk, but she did with Dax, where she said, yes. erotica only at this point yes. has this sexual term to it. She says, animals have sex. It's
0: finite. Eroticism is infinite. Transformed by the human imagination, the erotic mind gives poetics to sex. That to me was very interesting because it is true. Like sex itself is just
1: the act of right. It, I mean, its origination. Sure. Prior to humans mm-hmm. even becoming in a in anything, mm-hmm. was that hey we need to reproduce and make sure that we're like living on to later life. Right, exactly. But now, right. But we, we have a different mind now. Marry
0: for and we're not just we're not. In sexual relationships Just for procreation Right Effects We're just We're in sexual relationships Because we want to Enjoy sex And we enjoy sex And we want to Have that feeling um, Another thing that She did say That was really good Was this Really amazing quote By Marcel Proust which Yeah I is, that down too It's the imagination That's responsible for love Not the other person
1: Which I think very, Is very Very important Very
0: accurate And very true
1: But I think that That's what I think that's what A lot of people Don't put two and two together Together. Uh-huh. Like, even going back to our porn, the fantasy aspect uh-huh. of things, the reason why people have these fantasies of things is because, you know, it's all working with the imagination of things. It is up to, like, if you and I were in a relationship, and for whatever she reason... She wants that. <laughs> clearly. Doy. If we were able to do that, like, it, and for whatever reason, uh-huh. like, it's up to me... To keep the imagination going of our love relationship. Well, and to me as well. To you as well for loving me. Right. But the point is, is that it's not up to you to move up to a standard that necessarily that I have. Right. To make our love complete. Because
0: that's your standard that right. I can't live up to. So then right. you're the one who has to pick up the slack on and that. And that's
1: the reason why I have issues with people who, like when I would go on dates with people who would say... You know, like I could tell from the get-go that I was like, wow, you are already putting me on this pedestal and mm-hmm. I am not living up to that pedestal. Like there's no way. I am a human. I will mm-hmm. make mistakes and it makes me wary. And that's the reason why, because it's in and having that fantasy and having like going back to the emotional aspect of cheating where it's it's up to the imagination. I have to continually remember I am in love with this person and why I'm in love and try to recreate. And, you know, there's people that i know who talk about the fact that they're like yeah, we just kind of always do the same thing sexually. You remember when we were young and we used to like just be like, yeah, sure, why not use this like extra fun toy or whatever now. And, and i just remember looking at this person and being like, well, why don't you just talk to him? Like, if you're getting married. Why don't you just literally be like, "Hey, you know, it'd be really sexy." A cock ring. Like add it in sure. you know and, and she's like I don't think I could ever have it I was like you are literally marrying this person like you I didn't have tell this to her have those conversations. I didn't it's know imperative. her well enough to say that. but it is it's very imperative that you have these conversations because nowadays as she mentioned before it's like we are getting married for love we don't have to necessarily get married you know that's the one thing I guess I would say about her presentations is that she generalizes it more to the western side of things Sure, there are still other countries where this does not apply exactly
0: women's Still are being murdered and stoned and whatever there's because still of laws, their yeah. issues.
1: Yes. there's still laws against even women having infidelity, mm-hmm. being murdered and mm-hmm. killed for that. In the Western side of the culture, for people who they can get married for love, they can. They don't have to necessarily get married for money or for any other purposes mm-hmm. they can if they want to. But like the it's thing a choice that I found versus was interesting
0: was that she had talked about like the differences between the U.S. and even in Europe. So mm. but she had talked about the fact that in the U.S. there's not a thoughtful approach to sexuality. It's either smut or sanctimony. And she also mentioned that, like, 40% of people who had their first sexual experiences in the U.S. Mm -hmm. are bad. Whereas in, like, Holland, for example, because that's where they kind of use that, they use that as the litmus, right? Right. So, like, in Holland, it's, like, 10 to 15%. And that's because there's no sex education
1: here. (laughs) in America. And it's it's been the lowest it's been in 20 years. Well, and the people that, like, the type of sexual education that we have here, it is not about, like, emotional. It's about the physical act and what it does. Mm -hmm. And knowing that in theirs, it's not even sex education. It's relationship relationship education. education. And she had mentioned
0: that at four, where she is from, they start talking about relationships and sex, not sex. She, she says it's like in European countries they focus on sexuality and relationship, not just the plumbing of it all. Which makes so much it more sense. It makes sense because at age four and
1: five that's when kids start being sure, like, I want to hold I this like kid's you. hand. Yeah, exactly. I want to do whatever. And, and kids
0: just like gravitate because their genitals are areas of sexual pleasure regardless of how old you are. Right. But they're just kind of there. And so they, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. a better way to explain. So that this makes me think that I should Go out with someone from Northern
1: Europe. Uh, so, yeah. anybody from Northern Europe, holla! Any, i there's a reason why I've always been attracted to overseas. No, not fall overseas. <laughs> she said Northern Europe. Right. Okay. But it's just it. It's very true, though. It's very important, as we've always talked about. And I know other friends who have blamed our education system for their own problems. Well, and here, of why they don't do stuff. And I was like, I get your point. And I think it's both. I think that not only are we failing people and telling them how they need to be taking care of their bodies, Knowing how relationships work. But also, like, we're adults. We are people who are having sexual intercourse. I disagree. I think that there is something on us to also be like, we need to take care of ourselves. I disagree. Really? Fully on disagree? I disagree 100% because I
0: believe it really does start with an education early on. And if we're not getting that education and all we understand, and maybe it's different because of your parentage, but... I will give it in mine.
1: My parents didn't get this far in the sexual education. We didn't
0: talk about sex in my family. Like, my parents and I never talked about sex until the time I finally had sex with Phil and I talked to my mom about it. That was it. Like, everything else I learned was either through the porns that my dad had in in the house.
1: (laughs) Or the magazines.
0: Or through sex ed. Or... Through like just me seeing my friends and being like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. But there was never an open conversation about it. Right. Right. And I think that had there been more of an open conversation about sex in general. Right.
1: Right. Right.
0: I probably would have been set on a different path than I was. I would have understood more than I thought it was. I wouldn't have felt that I was a hand slut by holding someone's hand for a night. Do you know what I mean? Like. That's the difference. It's like, we make, in the U.S., we make sex a dirty thing. Oh, God, yeah. As as what Esther had said as well. Like, this, we make it dirty. It's not dirty. It's natural. It is what we are. But I don't think, like, my parents never got a sex talk, obviously. Mm -hmm. They never had anybody be open and honest with them about what things were. They had to figure that shit out on their own. My grandmother, I'm sure, had to figure that shit out on her own. So it's that whole like hereditary legacy. Both of my grandparents, I'm fairly confident, especially since like <laughs> both of them were brought up by very religious ladies, but like, <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure no one ever had a sex talk with anybody. Sex was not something that hmm. I talked about with my parents. Sex is not something that I want to talk about with my parents. Maybe more so I can do it now. But I don't want to know about their sex life. We've talked about that already. We've like had that conversation. in and our parents. So like, I don't want to know about y'all's <laughs> sex life. But the fact that like it was never even bothered to be open. And then we looked right. at the Red Table Talk last time. It was like, you know, Jada's mom was like, oh, yeah, I lived that life. And so I wasn't going to give that to my daughter. My daughter right. had a much more open experience. Therefore, Willow has even a much more open right. experience. So I think that education is a really oh, huge it. it's very important aspect of this whole thing.
1: And that, see, I the reason I think I still have a gray area is because I was brought up very naive. Despite even having my conversation with mm-hmm. my parents, I was still brought up. I mean, and I've well, said this you before. You have like, to have the experience. You have to have the experience. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have the experience for way later right. into my 20s. For me... Even as someone who is naive, so maybe, and maybe that's where my, it's like, oh, wow, okay, yeah, clearly, reminder, not everybody has had my experiences. I have had correct wonderful people in my life who have been able to talk with me, who are open with me. I have questions. They've been great. That's her privilege. That, yeah, and that's not even just my privilege, just my chance. Like well, the fact no, it's a privilege it a, to have that happen to you. Right.
0: Well, I didn't I mean, have
1: that circumstance in my life. To randomly meet a friend is... Okay, fine. It's that's what I mean. Hereditary. I privilege. didn't get it. Yeah, I didn't okay. get this from... I mean, your parents. Yes, my privilege, my parents at the age of like what? Six, seven years old decided to be like, we're gonna have this mm-hmm. chit chat. We never talked about it since my mom. But you get it. Around, but I still got it. <laughs> that is different because my parents probably did not have that when they mm. were kids at all. So yes, I'm that part sure was the privilege. But the fact that I, by chance, mm-hmm. happened to meet these other friends of mine who I was able to have these conversations about, one of which I am still very close to today. And we still have like weekly chats and we talk. And But when I was in high school and I clearly was not having any of this and I was still able, you know, she lent me specific books and just say, you know, the fear of flying, which is mm-hmm. just very well known of everybody at this point. But, you know, those types of books to be like, hey, open your mind a little bit. Even if you don't agree with it, sure, to kind of like understand this aspect mm-hmm. of things. it's I'm thankful for that because now, very clearly, I can see that <laughs> you know because to me it is to me, I'm like well i I happen to be the type of person where when I realize that I'm like, oh, there's a there's a contradiction right here. There's something mm-hmm. that's not, you know i I have that curiosity enough to seek out what the issue is. What's correct? What's right? If there isn't a correct answer, mm-hmm. what are all the possibilities? Not everybody has that. So, nope. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, I I think I agreed to a point because for me, it's like, well, educate yourself. Because it's easy for me to say,
0: right. educate yourself. <laughs> it's easy for you to say, right. educate yourself in the being born in the age of being able to educate yourself right. solo. Whereas for others like myself and Past generations. Right.
1: You had to go to the library to educate yourself. Right. And for me, it's easy to say where it's like, if you're going to be a sexual person, I'm all about educating yourself because. You need to take care of yourself. You need to, because you can't trust anybody else to take care of yourself. But I've had the experiences, especially early on, realizing you have to take care of yourself because no one will. And there's so many people out there who do not have that, who don't believe even that they're no, that is to right. be taken care of. Right. I get really irritated, you know, especially within the media mm. coming to abortion.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to ask that. That was my next thing. You know, yep.
1: was... You know, uh, like look at Orange is the New Black. I remember um, because my parents watched the show. I watch it. We've never watched it together, but we talked about it when it first came out. Mm -hmm. And one of the characters on that show, she used it as a method of birth control. People don't do that. The fact that that show did that, it's probably doing a disservice to exactly. And so, as much as that show shows other things, this probably was a fault. That was such a a failure. Yes, Yes. Mm -hmm. because. That's not what it's used for. Mm-hmm. Rarely is it used for. I know so many people who have done it because literally they would have died if they had continued Absolutely. with the pregnancy. And even if it weren't, that, it's a choice. It is
0: a choice. And sometimes people don't have that choice. Like i, I know in people in my own personal world. Yes. I know that people have had to give their babies up for adoption. Not even they give them up. Told they had to. And in my own personal, personal world, I had to be born. Yes. because And my parents had to get married because that's the only way they could live together as my, you know, abuela, Spanish grandmother, you know, basically like threw my mom out of the house when she found out mm-hmm. that she got pregnant. And, you know, there's a whole there's like so many different levels to this thing that I think that a lot of people, especially as we continue to talk about abortion right. today and adoption and adoption like i don't know if like my abuela would have been okay with my mom giving me up for adoption right i don't believe that at all uh, i don't think it's something that she would even want to think about but the fact that i know of people who have had to do yes. that and the lasting impact of that act on them and how detrimental it has mm-hmm. been to their lives the fact that we can't that people can't just be like you know what That was a really personal choice Mm -hmm. and it is honestly not my business and not my place to be involved in that because you already have religion being an aspect of Mm -hmm. that thing. You already have societal norms at that point in time being an aspect of that thing.
1: Step the fuck out of people's business. And I mean, it's hard enough. And I've sort of have two points in that, playing off of what you talked about, sure. the fact that we know someone personally who their life wouldn't be as beautiful as it is without well, that option.
0: I wouldn't be here, probably. I mean, I don't know, like, but like, even even our husband's, my husband Aaron, who has had like four kids yes. from a foster mom, who and has he
1: is beautiful, and, and they're adorably just cute just children
0: and beautiful, but like. There came a point in time where people were like, well, maybe you should just castrate her because like she keeps doing this same thing. Right. Like, is it our business to get involved in that and to do that? Cuz they had gotten to the point where they were like, look, these are the last of what we can take. Right. Capacity-wise, legally as well. And they so, were and the
1: reason they were taking as many children as they were at the time, they were also like we want them to stay together. Right. Family should stick together. There are things that
0: need to be together. And so they really, and I, it's something that I, I was, I disagreed with, but I admire the choice because it brought them from four kids to six kids. Mm-hmm. What they have done is an amazing thing, and the fact that they have allowed gay parents to do that, <sighs> which is amazing, is amazing in and, in and of itself. But like it, it's just to me baffling, like mm-hmm. that those last two children could have gone somewhere else and what would their lives have Mm -hmm. been like and maybe down the line would they have tried to find their other siblings or would those parents even tell them about Mm -hmm. there's so much that goes it drills down so much further than like someone just being like well you open your legs you have to pop out a baby and give it up like there's so much more to it than that like those kids could have still been in the system they could still be in the system today which if they hadn't decided to Mm -hmm. say we will take all the siblings hi I'm Vanessa and I'm the host of fabled a bi-weekly podcast that explores mysteries legends lore ghosts and fairy tales investigation of these tales of woe often reveal grim details ...that have been long hidden in dark corners of history. Every story is a mix of both fact and fiction, and so are the episodes. Look for me anywhere you listen to podcasts, and say hello on social media at Fable Collective. So go ahead, settle in. I want to tell you a story, and then maybe I'll tell you the truth... welcome to stem fatale your women in science history podcast i'm emlyn gremlin i'm emma dilemma and we're two stem phd students (laughs) (laughs) trying to learn more about the women that science history has overlooked every episode we tell the story of a historical female scientist We discuss their struggles, research accomplishments, and get into the crazy banana sexism they faced in pursuing their scientific dreams. Do you like stories about escaping from the Nazis? We got them. (laughs) Or stories about NASA's lack of understanding of the female body? Yeah, we got those too. We've got it all. So take a listen and go Go stimulate stimulate yourself. (laughs) So the thing that I think that is most important is that um, what Esther says is that you'll have two to three relationships or marriages at, and some of us will do it with the same person mm-hmm. or you will, once the first marriage is over, you can decide whether or not you want to create a second marriage mm-hmm. with that person or move on and do something different with someone else, which I thought was really poignant and and appropriate. I think it's a good way to kind of think about quote unquote infidelity and what that means to people. Mm -hmm. I think that because of the fact that our educational structure for sex sex ed Mm -hmm. is basically like you stick your dick in this and then (laughs) if you pull it out fast and you potentially can't get pregnant, which is not true because I am a perfect example of pre-cum. You can get pregnant
1: from pre-ejaculation. That is me. Most people don't understand or realize that. Right. Yes, please know that it's called pre-cum because there's still stuff in there.
0: Pre-before. So I was at, like, basically my mom is like Mary Magdalene or whatever. Like, she's a virgin or, you know, the Mother Mary, whatever.
1: Anyway. To also be fair, they do say that the pull-out method is just as effective as a condom if you do it correctly. Yes. But you have to really look at how to do but that. But it still yeah. is.
0: Like, you got to antiseptic out your tip and then, like,
1: dig into the hole, which you probably guys don't want to do because, like, it's your hole and then you feel gay. I don't know. Except for that one person (laughs) who, like, men are so weird about penises. I'm sorry to go off topic on this, but this all, just you talking about that, there's some (laughs) asshole, several of them, in fact, I'm sure, who literally went to the hospital because they put a charger up their penis? Why would they do that? Because they could. I don't know. <sighs> but they literally like decided to put it into their urethra and the like the tip of their penis and wow. put it through and up to a do good what? View. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody knows. Men are fucking weird is the literally yes. thing. It came out on Twitter like months ago. Someone put it out there who we follow. And I remember responding to me like, why are men fucking weird? And their response was like, we don't know. Mer. And I'm pretty certain it was men who did the podcast too. They were just like other <laughs> weird things that men do. Nice. I just, I don't think I would ever put anything up my urethra, And I can't imagine... Why a man would not only stick something or attempt to, but then decide to put Wait. like, you know what? A thought oh, yeah. of it would be great. Was was it a USB or it was a like usb C? A USB-C, BC. So it was like the <laughs> tiny little, <laughs> I don't know. They were having some sort well, of. that makes a distinction. They wanted to know what a catheter was like, I guess. I don't know. Why? I yeah. don't know. Uh, Ugh, it was gross. Sorry. Anyway. <laughs> don't do that. Continue with your point, whatever that was. I just know that I had to interrupt because I was like, but also this weird, like for the rest of my life, I will be 90 years old on my fucking deathbed. And they'll be like, Grandma, what did you think? And I'll be like, I think men are weird. They stick things up their dick. I don't understand why you would want to
0: stick something. First of all... (laughs) your dick like honestly kids don't do that you guys don't even want to fucking get a vasectomy let alone fucking stick some shit up your dick get a vasectomy then it's
1: the difference because it's their choice
0: well you shouldn't have a fucking choice like we don't so suck it <laughs> clearly you shouldn't because you're wasting your opportunities by sticking batteries up your ass or
1: whatever, the, whatever Mallory just said do you remember that they had a light bulb Do you remember seeing that that someone stuck a light bulb up their ass? And I was like, good luck getting it out. They had to like, Was it on Jackass? I don't think it was. I don't know. I just know that it occurred and someone had an (laughs) x-ray. And I just remember being like, are you shitting me That feels like
0: Jackass. That feels like something Jackass would do.
1: Going back to Esther Perel. Yes. Talking about the infidelity. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody's always going to ask whether or not she's in an open relationship or that she's okay because how do you come to these conclusions of being okay with infidelity? I think a lot of it has to do with just experience. When you particularly become a therapist, I think that you just start to come across a lot of people who have the same issues over and over again. And when it's sort of like the idea of when you see the same issue happen over and over and over again, instead of saying, wow, what a weird phenomenon. You kind of say, okay, what are the connecting factors of Mm -hmm. this? And it's very connecting, especially as we continue to grow as a community And how we view things. I mean, to know that back then things were more of a transaction. Mm -hmm. You know, women got married because, you know, they still had to deal with the fact of, you know. And they still couldn't
0: have any fun in relation (laughs) because apparently only infidelity was meant for men. So they couldn't even have an affair to have a good time. Even being fucking
1: shackled to some big bloated icky Earl or Duke or some dumb shit. It was less about what a woman wanted and it was more about the fact of we are making this union. How are you going? We're connecting our families versus we are making a connection for love. Like, wow, no, there the, was no such thing. Well, and it's interesting. We, we could get into the economics of it all, of uh-huh. knowing that, like, the rich folk right now is because of the past and Absolutely. how those connections made. they're still made. perpetuating that, even There's though a, they,
0: quote-unquote, are married for love, but they're not. <laughs> they're married for their family legacies and combining those things for ultimate wealth. Right, but in the end... Ivanka...
1: Interesting to know, Javanka. That right. nowadays <laughs> it is more. We need to be more
0: cognizant of the fact that we have to have open conversations about mm. things to expose a vulnerability, and also to help other, to help our partners understand where we're coming from, what we stand for what we're about what we will tolerate and what we won't tolerate I think because in the past you didn't have that option mm. it was just kind of like you got married because you had to take, you know have your houses blend together right and do all of these things and be better and for society, etc. I think that now having a conversation and actually talking to someone and being vulnerable to the person. Mm-hmm is what is the most important thing. Unfortunately, we're still, we're living, we're like straddling lines where we're like, we need to be over here where we should be exposing ourselves vulnerably and talking to each other about what we need to do, but there's no education for that. And Mm -hmm. so therefore we have no idea how to do it, which is where my experience comes into the fact of like, I didn't know how to talk to Phil or White One to say, look, I'm not happy in this circumstance. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was something that you just felt a duty, you felt duty bound to do, especially as a woman, where that's not necessarily the case. But I don't even think they would have been having, they would not have been able to have the capacity to do that either because we just were not provided with those tools. Right, right. And I think that even now, this still, this same cycle of like this old cast legacy of the way things are is really buttressing up against like today and what people really want Mm -hmm. but we still can't communicate that because we don't have the tools to really talk about it to understand it to realize that okay well what you're feeling Mallory is valid and what Ben just not to use your name ben but like <laughs> a general ben is saying is also valid and you guys should have a conversation with each other to understand where you guys are coming from so you can find a level playing field to meet on and i think that that is the biggest issue is the fact that there's still like we're still like we want to be very future forward and future thinking and like ahead like, I think we're physically ahead, but mentally behind.
1: Which, you know, bring it back to Esther Perel. I guess a little cahoots to her for never bringing up white men and just being like humanity in general.
0: Wait, there. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I really appreciate the fact that she really is like, look, I am trying to help people yes. at the ground level figure shit out because of the fact that we didn't have her level of – awareness and insight from like
1: age four when they had like
0: sexuality day or whatever the fuck it was
1: well and she was in a unique situation when you look at it her family came from the holocaust they were running away her Her mother and her her father father were each holocaust survivors of large families and when you have this type of situation Mm -hmm. where they have a different outlook and aspect of this is survival you're going to get a different outcome of her ability to look at the world in a different light. And, you know, she even talks about how she became a therapist, where she's like, yeah, I became a therapist because at a young age, I, I just was good at keeping secrets. Mm-hmm. I was good at people telling Coming me Coming to me and talk to me. And me being like, you know what? I know that this isn't meant to be gossiped. But I think a good way to end it,
0: too, just based off of the fact that, like, her family were Holocaust survivors. And she really did speak about that in um, the Armchair Expert episode, was that she was, like, the theories of thinking were, like, you could say, why me? Or you could say, because me, because I me. will live life at its fullest. I will live the life that all the others could not live. And I feel like like that, to me, was the most cogent piece. Yeah. So I was just, like, no shit, like, obviously, right? Like, as I wrestle, because you know I watch a lot of, like, World War II documentaries, mm-hmm. like, I wrestle with the fact of, like, how do these people mm-hmm. survive This horror, the Holocaust, the loss of their entire family lineage from, you know, for decades. Like, how do you then, how do you pick yourself up and move forward? And that is a very perfect way of thinking about it. You could could wallow and you could be a carcass of yourself and be like, well, why me? Why was I the only one? Mm -hmm. Or you could be like, I'm taking all of you on my back and I'm going to live our best fucking life. And to me, that is probably the better way to think about It's like, I'm going to take everything that's sad, all the sadness, and I can think about it in terms of like all the sadness in my family, all the sadness in my family legacy in our, in, in our history, I'm going to take that on and I'm going to live my best life to kind of like extricate all the ish from it and just like make it just be pure delight and enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that we should all probably think about doing we never survived a Holocaust, obviously. We never, we personally have never survived a slavery. We've never survived indentured servitude or whatever. Your past has. But what I'm saying is like, we can take that family legacy, that hereditary trauma and make it into something positive as opposed to a negative. Mm-hmm. And um, instead of wallowing about it and being like,
1: uh, uh, uh. And I, I mean, not to say I think that's important. There needs to be a moment of at least acknowledging the fact that these sorts of things have happened. For sure. And there has been science they're continuing to look at to mm-hmm. know that trauma does mm-hmm. follow generations. There is very much so that And they've even talked about the fact that particularly in pregnant women, if something impactful happens to you while you're pregnant, Mm -hmm. when you look at it from a scientific aspect, Mm -hmm. of course it's going to affect the baby because your body is clearly saying, hey, this sort of thing happened. Let's put it in the DNA of the baby so then that way they can deal with it a little better and easier back in the future. Or (laughs) not. (laughs) Or at least put it in them to be afraid or better at it or whatever it is.
0: (laughs) Our legacy, the people in our hereditary, our families have struggled and fought and died for us to even be where we are right now, even in terms of just like our own personal choice. So don't give that up just because some fuckers are trying to tell us that we can't. Period.
1: I guess the moral of this is be who you are. Fuck them. Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. Be who you are. Be human, but be a good person about it. Don't be be a a dick about it. Just be someone who is the best person that you are able to be.
0: It's okay, gentle fellows, to be vulnerable. It is perfectly fine. I think that ladies today will really understand and appreciate the fact that you are able to articulate your emotions and understand them and actually listen to your partners and understand that as well.
1: Weird how every episode seems to be like, hey, communication is important. I mean, honestly, communication is really
0: important regardless. So important.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, if you guys enjoyed this episode, please, you can follow us on Instagram, Battle of Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Battle of Pod. And you can also email us at battleofpodcast at Again. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. One day,
0: someone's going to email us.
1: <laughs> We've had people email us. okay all right i get what you're saying (laughs) cheers
0: (laughs) okay look at how much further we could be without white men (laughs) without old dirty white men